All right, good evening, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on this beautiful Sunday evening? Amen. Did the wind blow you in for us tonight? <laughs> it is getting windy. We're going to see a huge drop in the temperature. Tomorrow's going to be real cold. So anyway, uh, praise God for all that. Well, we're going to have a great time tonight. It is Palm Sunday as we studied in the Word of God this morning. And tonight, Pastor's got a great word for us. Uh, so we're going to be ready for that. Let's go ahead and stand up together. And we are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep believing that this nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord some praise and then you may be seated. All right, we're going to go through a few announcements here, and uh, we got a lot going on over the next week, but one thing we want to remind you of, as you can see, the uh, house trailer over there has been demolished, and uh, we have got a whole lot of work done on that, but this week, uh, they're going to be uh, taking care of uh, getting the rest of it hauled off, so this is all really great news. We just want to remind you to kind of keep the kids away from it. We don't want anybody getting hurt over there, and then uh, by Easter Sunday, we'll have a whole new view on the horizon out there to the south end of the property and we are very very excited about this so praise god for that uh we want to we're kind of starting to promote this a little bit but we have a tuesday night zoom bible study that has actually taken place for three years this uh and as of march and uh miss rosalinda and betty jackson have been faithful to keep this going uh but we want to start getting more people involved and this past week it worked really well lots of people uh um logged in well, I don't, zoomed in. I don't know how that works, but uh, you did all that. And, uh, and so it's the second and fourth Tuesday nights at 630. You can, you can act like it's food for less. You can show up in your pajamas and no one's going to even care, right? So, amen. So uh, take care of that, but log in and join in the, the discussion. And it's just a really great time. So uh, get connected with that. Now, the big thing is this, is that this Sunday is Easter Sunday, everybody. Very excited. We, I thought we had more. We probably, we maybe only have like 50 of these invitations left, maybe less than that. But uh, make sure that you grab one and you invite somebody next Sunday. All right. This is the greatest, uh, one of the greatest opportunities of the year uh, to get somebody to come to church with you. And we want to make sure that we take advantage of this. Of course, we're going to have uh, the children doing a musical performance on Sunday morning. That's great. And then we have a family photo booth. So this is a good chance to get even some family pictures done. We'll provide the photographers and everything. And then the big Easter egg hunt will be right outside there after service. And it's going to be phenomenal. Now there's no Sunday night service next week. Okay. So remember that uh, if you're a, usually a Sunday night person, there's no Sunday PM service next week. Uh, the people you know, everyone's going to be 
uh, having a long day taking care of the festivities around here. So no Sunday night service, uh, but praise God, the Lord still live with you and he still loves you. Amen. And then young adults, this is for ages 18 to 25 ish. Uh, they're going to be meeting again on Saturday the 15th, 11 a.m. at Six Beans Coffee. Rosalinda right back there in the back. She's going to be uh, leading the Bible study. And again, just a really good opportunity to meet some friends and uh, study the Bible and have a good influence together and enjoy some good coffee. Amen. So that's what that's all about. And I think that's all the announcements for now. So who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time. Amen. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. And if you are going to be given online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. We're going to open our Bibles to Malachi chapter three, Malachi chapter three. Amen. And I guess I'll do the NLT on this. I was going to go New King James, but hey, let's just go NLT. So Malachi chapter three, and we'll look at verses eight through 10. Malachi chapter three, verses eight through 10. Now, this is, uh, for a lot of you, a very familiar portion of scripture, but it's really a great, uh, great chapter and passage regarding tithing. And so Malachi chapter three, we'll look here starting at verse eight. It says, should people cheat God? And you know, the King James says, should people rob God? And of course, the obvious answer is no. If you're going to rob somebody, God would probably not be the one to rob, but you don't want to rob anybody, right? Uh, it says, no, you have cheated me, the Lord says. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? When did we rob you? You have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. And for the people of Israel, it says, you are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Well, the temple is what we would call the church. And uh, and they called it the temple, the storehouse back then. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Amen. And so the Lord's telling us right there, man, try me on this. Prove it out and see that it works. And I encourage us tonight that as we tithe, uh, man, the Lord says he will open the windows of heaven. And so what is the tithe? That is 10% of our income. Back in the day for these guys, man, maybe a lot of them were farmers. They'd bring 10% of their crops in. A lot of them were maybe, you know, uh, shepherds. They would bring 10% of the flock in. And, uh, and for us, I don't get paid in, you know, apples or bananas or uh, sheep, but I do get paid in uh, United States currency. So I give 10% of that uh, to, to the Lord. Amen. And I'm guessing that's what it is for most of us. But either way, we honor God with 10% of the income that he's brought into our lives and he makes up for it. Amen. He blesses us. All right, let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to open up. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to, we're going to say a financial faith confession. Good Lord. All right. So let's speak some words of faith over our giving. Then Pastor Josh is going to lead us into some worship. And we're going to have a great time in the word of God tonight. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, 
debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Let's come up front to the altar and worship the Lord together. And let's sing together. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. Through every storm, you'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things, and I know you will do it again. For your promise is yes and amen. You will do great things, God. You do great things. Oh, hero. Of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. You've done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, above it all.
unshakable hallelujah you have done great things you've done great things hallelujah god above it all the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the life. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done great things. You have done great things. God, you do
heal because you love all the miracles I've seen you're too good to not believe you're too good to not believe you're too good to not believe we've seen cancer disappear we've seen broken bodies heal you tell me he can't do it don't you tell me he can't do it we've seen real life resurrection we've seen mental health restored don't you tell me he can't do it don't you tell me he can't do it we've seen families reunited we've seen prodigals return don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me he can't do it We've seen troubled souls deliver We've seen addicts find the freed Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me he can't do it Cause he said he's in revival And salvation flood the streets tell me he can't do it don't you tell me he can't do it we'll see glory fill the nations like the world has never seen don't you tell me he can't do it cause I know that he
miracles I've seen You're too good to not believe You're the wonder-working God And you heal because you love All the miracles I've seen Are too good to not believe Are too good to not believe Are too good to not believe Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Father, you're so good. And your mercy endures forever. And Lord... Probably everybody in here believes that. And the ones watching out there online, they believe it. But Lord, we know it's one thing to believe it. And it's another thing to let our guard down so you can come in and do it. And I want to thank you tonight as we study your holy written word. We're going to see how to get the blinders off our own eyes and our lives so we can open up for you to do all that's in your goodness to do in our lives. We know it's the last of the last days. The world is in a very horrible shape right now, but didn't catch you off guard. The Old Testament prophets told us it was coming. New Testament prophets told us it was coming. Jesus told us it was coming. But Lord, your word says you always cause believers to triumph that are in you. You said it may be getting darker in the world, but it's getting brighter in the church. And we're part of the church. And I thank you tonight. Forgive me utterance to boldly preach and teach your word and for the hearers to receive your word with meekness, Lord, and apply it to their lives and live that victorious Christian life that you gave your life we should have. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, we were singing, singing that song, Too Good to Believe. And I was thinking about, I was thinking about people. I was thinking about Christians and even sinners and people who don't really believe in God. A lot of people that hear about Him, that they'll just say things about, yeah, God and things like that. It's one thing to know that He can. It's another thing to open up your life so He will. Amen. It's not Him holding back. So many people are resistors. What is this by resist arrest? They're fighting somebody wanting to do something to them. Well, if you're a resistor of God, you're resisting God for wanting to do something for you. And people don't even realize it. That's because people live so much out of their heads, out of their souls, out of their emotions, not out of their spirit. And I'm going to talk about some of those things. Now, you learn to live out of your spirit and get your soul, your mind, will, emotions out of the way and under control that God through your spirit can do anything. Anything at all needs to be done in your life. Uh, you need a million dollars, God will get it to you. Amen. You need, you need healing for you and your family, God will get it to you. You need deliverance from addictions like that song. Whatever it is, he'll get it to you. But the only one that can determine what's going to take place is you. No problem with God, he never changes. He already said what he wants to do. And we're the ones that have to change. Pastor Dave talked about that today. But uh, the, 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 the title for the message tonight is How to Become a Stable Christian. Amen. Who wants to be a stable Christian? Amen. We all want to be a stable Christian. And so I, I want to start off with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And uh, 
I know uh, many of you that are here all the time study your own Bibles, you know these verses, but everybody doesn't know these verses. I know that when I got born again, uh, about all I knew about the Bible was, you know, I never saw it back in those days. They didn't have any colored Bibles, all these different colors. All they had was black ones. And so I, what I knew about the Bible was basically on the front of it said, Holy Bible. That's what I knew. And when I, when I came to church and people talked about all these verses and places and things like that, I didn't know what to do. And so I just started where I was, started opening the Bible and finding stuff and finding stuff and finding stuff and uh, I never really went to Sunday school or anything when I was young, like a lot of people. Miss Pastor this morning singing some Bible song. Still don't know that Bible song, but I know the Bible because I never studied the song. I studied the Bible, and it's like so many other things in life. By repetition, the more I did it, I just know where things are. I've never opened up something at the table of contents and studied where the chapters are and who's whatever. I just I've, I've, I've just started doing it. And I think it's like working on cars or like Mrs. Pastor likes to sew, anything else. If you start doing things and you hang around some people that do it and you learn some things, that a lot of stuff self-taught. Most everything I know and I teach you self-taught. I was influenced by a lot of great preachers and teachers over the years. But the main thing is I listened to people and I hung around people that told me it's not an option to lose if you're a Christian. Amen. And so I know that uh, I always played the law of percentages, too. I hung around people, and I'm so glad I did when Pastor Dave got leukemia and everything. I hung around people, and I'd hear stories like this. Well, if you've been diagnosed with something or somebody you love, and they say it's 90% fatal, I always turn that around and say, well, that means it's 10% winnable. See, the world thinks lose. They think defeat. And so... Whatever it is, so the percentages, I always figure it's percentages. That me and God are unstoppable. Amen. God and I, we win. As long as I'm with Him. And so I've learned things over the years to do to stay stable, to stay in the fight, and which fight to fight, and which fight to avoid. I remember when I was first in the ministry, uh, Pastor Gerald Brooks again, Dave, Pastor Dave. He's, he's sitting under a guy now that influenced me a lot for years and taught me how to pastor. But he talked about some keys to effective pastoring that applies to Christian life. He said this for pastors. He said, you've got to learn, don't fight battles that aren't worth winning. And so, you know, drama comes through the church, stuff that happens somewhere like that. You just got to ignore it most of the time, just unless, unless it starts to affect the church. Then you have to jump in. But when people are fighting each other, let them have their goofy fights. Then if they get tired of losing, we'll pick them up, dust them off, pray over, anoint them, fall, get them up and moving. Amen. But we can't we can't let our lives shut down over other people. And then, then, then at the same time, he said, choose your battles wisely. When there's things going on out here in the world, like you know, there's a lot of things going on in society right now. As a lot of churches have went under because they chose to get their nose in some business they didn't belong in. But how many believers? Walked away from God because they chose some battles they shouldn't have got involved with. That because they were not anointed to fight that fight, they went under. Amen. You've got to learn some things to protect your soul to stay stable. You've got to learn what to do. And, you know, I just say that one of the things is you got to know what your business is. And you mind your business. Amen. That was free. That's no notes or anything. That's just for you. And so we're talking tonight. About 
how to become a stable Christian. And here's, here's one thing. You must get the revelation from the Word of God by the Holy Ghost in your heart and in your thinking on. First Thessalonians 5.23 And the very God of fights, the very God of hatred, the very God of what? God is peace. God is love. It says the God of peace, and you know, just throw, I'll throw in, as a Bible teacher, things jump off, you got to say them. If things aren't peaceful in your life, then somewhere you're not connected with the God of peace. The other God. Amen. The very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body. Spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to be on this for just a minute because it's a refresher for most of you, but some of you may be new. And if you're out, if you're out there watching, make sure you look these things in your Bible, take some notes and write some things down. But we are a spirit being. We have a soul. We're supposed to possess our soul. I'll show you more about that in a minute. We possess our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a physical body. And the world has it totally backwards. They take better control of the body than they do their soul. Your spirit and your soul live forever. Your body will be buried or burned or something someday. And you'll vacate the body. And so I, I, I just think about the fact that Christians spend more time in the gym than they do in the church. Somebody said, amen or oh me. Well, it's totally up to you. It depends on what your priorities are. But he said spirit, soul, and body. And you've got to understand this. They live inside of you. You don't live inside of them. Your body is their suit. And I always call it an earth suit. It's so real to me because, 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 because the Bible, so many scriptures I go to, but it says that the body, James said, your body without your spirit is dead. Hey, think about an astronaut. If there was an astronaut going to outer space, that's a foreign place. It's not, it's not made for human beings to live in space. They gotta have a suit to breathe in. Well, our spirit is heavenly. And the earth is not made for a spirit to be outside the body. So when the spirit leaves the body, it's right to heaven where it's supposed to be. And the body falls over like an astronaut suit. It's just laying there. It's limp. The astronaut suit gets to the suit. Then it looks like the suit's alive. But it's only alive because of who's in it. Well, your body is only alive because you're in it. And really, your body's only going to be as strong as what you do if your spirit. And then your spirit's only going to be allowed to do of how well you have your soul conditioned. And this is not confusing stuff. When you begin to understand this, it'll change your life forever and ever and ever and ever. We're going to be talking about the stability of your soul tonight, your mind, your will, and your emotions, because think about this. The Bible says, Second Corinthians 5, 17, and 18, that when we become born again, we become a new creation. It says all things in our spirit become new. It says all things in our spirit are of God. How many know that God's perfect? And God's not double-minded. He's not schizophrenic. He's not afraid. Amen. He's got all the wisdom you ever need. And so if that's in our spirit, and all things are of God in our spirit, then that leaves the soul we have to deal with. Because our spirit's not going to change. It says we're a new creature. All things are of God in our spirit. So your spirit has no problems. The only problem your spirit has, basically, is your goofy head. And your emotions. 
And if you're the one that goes, oh, I just feel God. Well, most of the time, I don't feel God. I've matured. I'm a second Corinthians 5, 7 man. I walk by faith, not by sight. I don't walk by feelings. I praise him for the times I get to feel him. But I don't feel him most of the time. I've got myself trained conditioned where there's been many times, don't have to do a lot anymore, but as a young Christian, when I begin to learn these things, I would stand in front of the mirror. I'd look at me. I'd say things like, shut up, stupid. Get out of the way. And I looked in my eyes because your, your eye gates is how you look into somebody's soul and their spirit. I'd look myself in the eye and I'd say, Bernie, I'm talking to you. And I'm telling you right now, I'm spirit man and I'm going to control you. You're not going to control me. And so emotions get in the garbage can where you belong. You're not going to ruin my life. Amen. There's a time for emotions. But if emotions block you off from letting God work through you, then you need to put them in the garbage can. I think about Pastor Dave when he got diagnosed. I, I was mature enough along in life, doing some preaching, wasn't out in the ministry yet. But when he got diagnosed with that leukemia, I remember that hospital before he went to the children's hospital. Went up there, had my brother, had a friend with me. The doctor come out and he was crippled and didn't know what else was going on. The doctor said, we're pretty sure he's got leukemia. You've got to get to the children's hospital. We're not equipped to handle this. When he said that, I've got a soul. And when he said that, my soul tried to win. I started crying and shaking. And I did that for just <laughs> not very long at all. And these two guys with me, I just stopped. I looked up. I said, okay, crying's over, fighting time. And I went like this. Okay, let's go to battle. Hey, Amen. Because emotions were not going to cause my boy to die. And we're going to put me in the middle ward. We won. And since that time, over and over and over and over again, we've faced crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis. We won, we won, we won, we won. We lost some battles, but we've won the war. Amen, amen. And so, I am a spirit being, and you're not seeing me right now. You're seeing my suit I'm living in. I see none of you. I see the suits you live in because up here at this altar, there's been a lot of times, there's been a lot of great, great saints in this church that went to heaven. And we stood right here and we still saw their suit. But they were gone. They vacated. And so you need to get a handle on the fact that the most important part of you is not your body. You take care of your body. You eat, try to eat right, get sleep, exercise, all the things you're supposed to do, but don't do that at the expense of your soul and your spirit. You take care of them and take care of your body. And so I want you to look at Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. And uh, Pastor Dave got into some end time stuff this morning from Mark and talked about some things, some Matthew things. But I want you to see Luke 21, uh, pretty much this whole chapter is end time events. And he's, he's, ta- he's, ta- he's talking about all the horrors of the end times. And I was reading this again today. And so much of what we see in here is in Luke 21. Jesus tells us that everybody that's a Christian or Jew is going to be hated by, by everybody else. Has anybody noticed that Christian or Jew- Christians and Jews are about the most hated groups in the world right now? 
Well, guess what? It didn't take Jesus by surprise. He said that was going to come. He talked about pestilences and plagues that will go around the whole world. Have we had any of those in this world? He talks about so many earthquakes you can't even count them are going to be here. He talked about upheaval in the weather conditions and all those things. And he said things in there like, like, don't worry about it. You take care of you. I'm paraphrasing. He said things like that, but he said that's what's going on these end times. And so these end times, he told us that. But I want you to look then at verse 18. Verse 18. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. And talk about believers that will walk in the authority of the word. Believers that will know their covenant hook up with their covenant and the covenant is what God did to you for you through Jesus and his blood his resurrection and giving you authority of this earth and so he said not a hair you had perish at verse 19 now we're talking about souls he said in your patience you possess your soul in your patience that word patience means consistency Christians if they're going to be stable have to live a stable Christian life and to do that, that means you're consistent in Bible habits. You don't make it a law. Well, I'm going to pray. I, I, you know, every Christian I've ever seen go flaky is the ones that made the commitment. I'm going to pray for an hour every day. And they never make it. Then they condemn themselves. They beat themselves over the head because they got off their rules. It's not a rule. Uh, you know, I'm kind of like the man I heard about said, how much do you pray? He said, well, I never pray over 15 minutes. But I don't go 15 minutes without praying. I stay in communication with Jesus. Amen. I don't make it a rule. I don't have a prayer list. I've never had a prayer list. I've never had a list going to pray for all this here. Because Ephesians 6.18 said, Pray always for all men in the Spirit and watching. And so when the Holy Spirit puts Rosalinda's face in front of me, man, Rosalinda gets it that day, man. I, I, I load down. Or Dave. Or anybody else, or somebody, a preacher, a preacher in another country. I pray with the Holy Ghost, and I see who he wants to pray for, but it's so, it's so, you know, we're just honest, aren't we? It's, to me, it's just almost worthless to have a big long list of things like that, and say, God bless, God bless, God bless, God bless. Ephesians 1, 3 says he's already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then chapter 1 of Ephesians, I hope I don't overload you of word. i got to watch out when I do that. But chapter 1, verse 16 to 23, that he tells you about those blessings he's already done. He says that your eyes of understanding be opened, that you would know what he's done. And so that's the best prayer you can pray for believers. you got to pray for them to be able to see in the word of God what God has done. They've already got the blessings. He said, I've already supplied all of your needs. By my stripes you're healed. Amen. Said, I'll save you and save your house. He's got so many, much of there he's already done. So you get that big long list there. Brother Hagin said it this way. He said, you might as well say, twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. He said, you get just as much results. You've got to learn how to pray scripturally what you're going to pray. Amen. And so I've learned, I've learned how to be in control of my soul, how to walk with God. And so he said, you possess your soul. And I've never, I've never been led by emotions in how to lead the church to what the church does. I've never been led by emotions to what my family's going to do. When crisis hits, the first thing I do is shut down. 
What do you mean you shut down? I do what Jesus said. I stop, catch my breath. I get in my prayer closet. I say, okay, Lord, you see what's going on? What's our part in it? What do we do? You said, if we lack wisdom, ask of you. You see what's happening, Jesus? I know it's your will for us to win. And so, because you know the future more than I know the past, now listen, I'm going to tell you a clue I learned a long time ago. And you already saw that I won, that I'm asking you, Lord, what you saw that I did to win. Because he can look at the past, the present, and the future. And if he said I always triumphed, I learned this a long time ago. I've done that so many times. I said, Lord, you said I won. And so show me what did I do to win. And I just begin to know and to see and do things. But one thing I don't do is have somebody tell me, well, you got to do something now. you got to do something now. I said, well, you might as well close the deal then because I'm not going to. I'm not signing anything. I'm not doing anything until I've got peace right down here of what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be pushed into making a wrong decision that could cost me dearly. See what that is? That's in possession of my emotions, in possession of my mind, and not letting not letting the world jerk me around, nor the devil. You possess your soul, but I want you to jump over and look at verse 25 also. It says, And there shall be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and all those things, perplexity, the sea, and waves roaring. And that's talking about the different... Uh, Ethnic groups and the tribes and the nations around the world and the crowds hollering out political upheaval in America and around the world. That's taking place right out of those waves of the seas or multitudes of people. And that's what they are. Is America in perplexity right now over politics and things going on? Which well, says that and then verse 26, and there's something to see right here for you to stay in possession of your soul. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Now look at this. Here's the key for looking after those things, looking at those things which are coming on the earth and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And so Jesus is talking about the unsaved and even Christians that don't know how to handle spiritual things, don't know what to do. He said they're focused on those things. There's no way that you could focus on the horrors of the world right now and possess your soul. There's no way you can focus on all the hatred and the strife and the lies and the discords and the deceptions and every evil thing and focus on that day after day after day after day and not be a basket case. He said they'll fare, that said their hearts will fail because they're watching all those things. Uh, as of three or four years ago, I basically shut off the news. I know what's going on enough to know it, but I mean, how many, ti- how many times can you hear that one guy at one party is bad, evil, want to destroy you, and the other side's good, they want to help you, and you just hear it over and over and over, they package it a different way, they say it a different way. How many times can you hear broke, 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 and all, everything is just, uh, the money's not going to be any good, just all those things. No wonder people's hearts fail. For the fear. And then when I see that, I also think about the mental cases now. You know, like the Lord told me years ago, faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. Have all these mental problems in society right now. No wonder. No wonder. And how many people were successes, college people, professional people right now, that they don't have the right minds right now because they focus on all the horrors 
and then it got inside of them and destroyed their minds, destroyed their lives. That's end times. That's what Jesus said. And you've got to see, when you read the Bible, little phrases like that, you've got to catch them. He said their hearts are failing for watching what's going on. And one of the best things that I think that a Christian in trouble could do is, number one, shut off social media. Number two, spend a whole lot more time in the Bible, in church, hanging around with Christians than watching all the evil things the news has to lie to you about every day. I told Mrs. Pastor a while back, we was talking, she said, uh, well, let's watch the news. I said, there's no news to watch. I said, all it is is commentary. It's not like it was several years ago when the news actually showed news things, things that were happening, and that ever told you what you saw wasn't happening. They, see, is that what they do now? You'll see it happen right in front of your eyes. Mostly peaceful protest as the city's burdened. Mostly peaceful. Well, it's mostly peaceful. Well, if it's your house or your business, it's not too peaceful. But what I'm saying is you can't focus on that stuff day in and day out and day in and day out and be a stable Christian. And so we as Christians, Jesus told us, and I learned this years ago, that if Jesus or God tell us to do something, then we can do it. He would never tell you to do something you can't do. And I'm not a sports person like my kids are, and probably a lot of you are, but I know this. The few games that I've watched that I didn't understand, one thing I understand, but hey, the red team's got possession of the ball. Oh, hey, they just lost possession. The blue team got the ball. They possessed the ball. Well, Jesus said you possess. And so I learned for just watching the little bit I watched the sports like that, that the one that has possession of the ball and knows what to do with it when they get it, they can win the game. And for us to have possession of our soul, that means somebody else then must want possession of our soul. Has anybody ever heard of Satan and demons? They want, they want, they want, have you ever heard of demon possession? Satan wants to possess your soul. He wants to control your emotions. He wants to control your thinking. The Bible has so much to say about your mind. Joyce Myers had a good book years ago. I didn't see it back there now. It called The Mind, The Battlefield of Your Soul. Battlefield of the Mind. And so we need to take back possession from the devil of our soul. Jesus said we could do that. He said for us to do that. But then listen to this. I've watched a few games there. Matter of fact, I don't watch enough to even know who's playing. I know there's a team called the Colts because I've been in Indianapolis. And a lot of my kids had Colts stickers, banners, bumper plates, and everything like that. So I know there's a Colts. But I know that in a game, I think, I don't know, last year, I think maybe at Pastor Dave's or Josh or someplace, Colts had some kind of a big game going. And all of a sudden, they miraculously got possession. But they got possession they turned around and threw a goofy pass right back to the other team. They lost it that quick. So it's one thing to have possession of the ball. It's another thing to know how to score points with the ball. It's one thing to gain possession of your soul. It's another thing how to score victories. Amen. you got to keep possession, and then you've got to know what to do. And then it's another thing beyond knowing what to do. you got to do it. 
You know, I, I, I just don't, you know, I don't, I don't remember a lot of my former past life, but I remember one thing. I was a very emotional, fearful, goofed up person, did a lot of goofy things, drank goofy things, put some other goofy things in my mouth I shouldn't have, et cetera, et cetera. And those are so, so much a part of my past, I don't even know anything about it. But I know, I just said that to say this. I've had possession of my soul for a long time. My soul, nor the devil, nor life, jerks me around and makes me do things I don't want to do. I do what God wants me to do, and I'm going to show you how to do that from the Bible. Amen. So we, so we possess our soul like a ball team would possess the ball. Look at Hebrews 10.39. I want to show you some verses, and really you ought to write these down. Because if you want to be a stable Christian, you're going to have to do what I did, what other, what other, every other stable Christian did. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 39. This is a really good chapter. And I mean, it's an awesome chapter. It covers so many things. But he gets down to the end of it and he says, we, but we are not of them who draw back into perdition. That means turn around and go back to destruction. How many know that the life you were on was you were on the road to destruction? Was anybody on that road besides me? I was on the road to destruction. I don't know very many 16-year-olds that were at the scene of a drunken automobile accident where the police said that the driver was dead. I was the driver. They said I was dead. I was 16 years old. That was called destruction. The glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, for Grandma Price. My Baptist grandma, the only Christian I knew in my whole family. She was praying for me. I believe grandma's prayers were effective, but I didn't stay dead. Amen. That's the road to destruction. I'm not turning back there. What's back there? Why do I want to go back that road again to destruction? It says we don't turn back, but what do we do? But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. I believe to the saving of my soul. And I know that people... Uh, Mixed words back and forth. They say, man, we got all this many souls saved today. Well, if the correct thing is, this many people received eternal life in their spirit. Doubt they'll stick around. We will work with them to the saving of their souls. We'll get their souls getting some thinking going different. Getting some emotions under control to the spirit man on the inside. Can you understand what I'm saving? Paul here was talking to Christians in the book of Hebrews. He wasn't saying, okay, I'm going to talk to a bunch of sinners. Don't turn back to the road to destruction. They're already on the road. They got to turn on the road to righteousness. He said, we don't turn back to that road, but what we do do is we believe to the saving of the soul. And so there's lots of verses I can take to you on that New Testament. But the whole thing is, your battle in life for your stability is in your soul. If you're born again, have eternal life in your spirit, and Jesus in your spirit, there's no fight there. The fight's won. Jesus won it 2,000 years ago. You can do nothing to win that battle. He won that battle. And all you have to do is accept that he did it. I mean, born again is easy. You say, Jesus, I want to thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. You were raised from the dead. You're the only begotten son of God. Thank you, Jesus. I believe you did that for me. Come into my heart. I receive you, Jesus. And you're born again. You won that one. That's over. Jesus won it. You accepted it. But then there's things you have to do then to win the battles of life. And so look again what he said right there to Christians. And this is written to us. He says, we believe to the saving of the soul. And so you as believers have to know 
You need to start doing something to get your soul in condition. We're going to show you how. Now look over one book to the right, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're going to start with verse 12. I've spent so many, uh, so much time over the years in these verses right here. And I'm going to explain them to you in a way that will be so easy to understand. How many want to stay stable? You know, I just, I, I just sometimes I think about over the years, some of the people that I know, uh, I, you know, I, I talk about, I talk about the, about the race red. It's not a 60 yard dash, it's a marathon. I've seen so many 60 yard dashers back at, back when I was in the Teamsters, it took 30 days on probation to get a job. And we had some, what the, what they, what all the jokingly called, he's a 30 day wonder. For 30 days, they came in early. They stayed late. They didn't violate their lunch hour time, their break time. They did all the job they're supposed to do. They didn't mouth off to the boss. Day 31, it made you wonder, is this the same guy? It made you wonder, what were they going to do now? I've seen so many Christians. Pastor, I want to let you know, this is my church. You're my pastor. I'll do anything I need to do. I love this church. I want to make things happen. Can I do this? Can I do that? Hey, can I jump in? Can I do this? And then after 30 days, you wonder, hey, have you seen so-and-so? What happened to him? And then you run into a fellow pastor. Hey, man, I got this new guy in my church. He's a fireball, man. He's willing to do it. I said, What's his name? Oh, okay. <laughs> like the old Roy Clark song, Thank God and Greyhound, he's gone. <laughs> hey, man, we don't want to be that kind of Christian. Don't we? Hey, we want to be stable. And so James 1.12 said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. That endureth temptation. You come through the test and you pass the test. If you endure it, that means you made it. I know we've got one of our, one of our men that's uh, in the police academy right now. He's enduring the testing time right now. And he wants to be a policeman. Looks like he's going to be a policeman. He's got to endure the test. He's got to pass the test to be a policeman. To be a mature Christian, you've got to know how to pass the test. That endureth temptation, for when he has tried, tested, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Now, here's some things that will help you know how to possess your soul, know how to train your soul, to get your soul more in agreement with God and his word and submitted to your spirit. Your soul must be submitted to your spirit. You must be able to tell your soul what to do and keep your soul under control. That's called possessing. you got to keep possession of the ball if you want to win. Okay, let no man say... and. Man, probably 43 years ago, I heard a preacher say, and I've always done it. He said, I circled that. Let no man say. Because he said, when I see that, if God's saying something I'm not supposed to say, then I'm not going to say it. That's so I've circled that. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempt is any man. And so what he's talking about here, when temptation comes... God is not going to send some naked woman across your path, man, to make you have to fight off temptation of going after her. And ladies, it's the same on your end. God is not going to send temptation to you to steal something. Amen. God's not going to cause you to be tempted. Temptations come to everybody, and we've got to know how to deal with it. He tells us right here. It says, God cannot be tempted with evil, and he will not 
tempt you to do evil either. But every man, every woman is tempted. Now look at this. This, this answers so many questions for me about life. Cause it's really hard. I know that for myself, it's really been hard over the years to separate the difference between my soul, my spiritual life, and what's going on. But he says right here, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust or his own desires and enticed. Satan is the tempter. He's the one that sets the traps. He's the one that tries to pull you into the trap. I told Mrs. Pastor the other day, we were talking about different things that people go through. And I told her, in my life, my, my big thing was drinking, smoking, and stuff like that. I mean, that's my big things. And so there's a lot of things that some of you go through I don't even have to think about because that never did happen me. But alcohol had me bad. And, and things such as that arena there, those things like that. And so that's where all my years I kept my guard up. I never, ever, ever, ever hung around boozers again. In my family, they had family reunions. They didn't like it sometimes, but I wouldn't go. Why didn't I go? Because alcohol was the destruction of the Samples family. I've been down that road. How could I rescue them from that life if I was drowning too? Every man is tempted to draw away of his own lust and enticed. Uh, my younger brother, a year and a half younger than me in heaven now, that was his destruction. Led him to the Lord. Uh, when Mr. Pastor and I first came together, led him to the Lord. And my grandpa died right after that. And so we went to the funeral. And so then after grandpa was, you know, said our amens and everything like that, they took grandpa away. Then all the samples did what samples did. They headed across to the tavern. And my brother Jay, he's in heaven now. My brother Jay said, I want to go over there so I can witness to him. I said, Jay, you just, you're, you're a baby Christian. You just got saved. I said, I'm not even going to do that. I said, I'm not going to get around that alcohol and that boozing. I said, I'm not going to even take a chance to fall back into that. Well, he went back. He got loaded. So I get a call two or three o'clock in the morning, all loaded like that. Tell me how many people he told about Jesus. Well, for the whole rest of his life, probably what, maybe another 15 years, 20 years. For the whole rest of his life, he was in and out of alcohol. He didn't make it. He crashed. He was drawn away from his own desires. And so whatever it is, whatever it is that's ever had a hold in your life, don't read about it, don't watch about it, don't hang around people that still do it, stay away from it. If somebody gets mad at you and says, well, you're too good to hang around me anymore, well, you say whatever you want to say. I mean, I'm not afraid to offend them. I say, nope. I love Jesus. I love my family. And I'm not going to take a chance going back in that hole again. If that's what you want to do, I'm not condemning you. It's your life. You live it how you want to. But for me, I chose a different one. Now, look at this. I'm showing you how to possess your soul so you don't lose possession of it again. He says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, his desires and enticed. Now, look at this right here. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase this so you can understand it real good. It says, when lust hath conceived, how many know what conception is? So in other words, it says this, it says it's possible for these wrong lusts or desires to conceive. It says it brings forth sin. Well, my center column says it gives birth to sin. And then when sin is finished or grown up, it brings forth death. And so what I see there so plain to me is this, because Hebrews 4 says that everybody's tempted. It says Jesus was tempted, but he never sinned. 
This desire for whatever it is trying to pull you does not destroy you until you put action to it. And so when you put action to it, the best way to say that is that's like mating because it says it gives conception. So when you put action to the desire, the conception takes place. And then it says when conception takes place, there's a birth. It's called sin. And then it says when sin grows up, it's called death. Well, my brother I was talking about, he got into that. He had conceived and come back to alcoholism, that abuse of the body, and that killed him. It brought forth death eventually. And so this works in every area of life. The death could be a physical death. It could be the death of a marriage. It could be the death of a job. You know, uh, I think about one guy one time years and years and years ago on my job. Uh, some of you won't be able to, this might make your head go tilt. Phone calls cost a dime. And when I was a truck driver, we had to call our dispatchers all day long, letting know the progress of what we were doing. And we had to keep, keep a list of how many dimes we spent. And then once a week we'd go in and we'd turn in our list and then we'd get a, you know, give us back 30 cents, 60 cents, whatever it was. That might not sound like much, but coffee cost a dime a cup then too. You know, it wasn't much. And so anyway, uh, the higher ups started seeing a shortage of the petty cash. So we had this one supervisor and they started suspecting him. So the higher ups come to us drivers they could trust and they told us, help us catch him. And so we went up there, we always got drivers, we started going up there in pairs to the window where we got to the, the money reimbursed, and we say, so-and-so, uh, I, want, I want to collect for four phone calls. And then the guy behind me would hear it, and he say, and we say, we say, well, I don't want to say his name, it wouldn't make a difference, I guess, but I say, Earl, that's four. And so he'd give us 40 cents, but then he'd mark down like 80 cents, and he'd pocket another 40 cents. And so for about a week or two, for about a week or two, had multiple drivers up there in pairs writing down what it was we collected. They witnessed what we got back, and then they caught him. And so for that little bit, 20 cents, 40 cents, 60 cents a time, that guy lost a very, very, very high-paying job in supervision at a Teamsters company. And so that sin brought forth death of what could have been a good career. Would it be a terrible thing on your job to lose your job over stealing a pencil? Well, if they get down the nitty-gritty and you steal something that's not yours, they got it out for you anyway, man, that's over. Amen. And so he says that when, when this lust has conceived, conception takes place because you put action to the desire. Now, get that part. Everybody is hit with thoughts. Everybody's hit with the emotions to do something. But then when you do it, conception took place because you made it with the sin. And then it's going to give birth, it says. It's going, to, it's going to keep on maturing. It's going to bring forth death. And so what's the answer? Look at verse 21. I want you to jump down to there because I've talked about how to be a stable Christian. How to be stable and how to possess your soul. Here is how you possess the ball and you don't give up the ball to the enemy again. It says, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and abundance of wickedness. And look at this. Receive with meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to what? Save your souls. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. And Sitterkob uh, says, the Greek says, the implanted word. It says, you lay apart all filthiness and abundance of naughtiness. You know what that tells me right there? 
99% of the apps on your phone, you better delete them. They're filthy and they're naughty. Because I've never played a video game, nor really looked at a video game, except my little grandkids are real little, show me little doodads, and when a two-year-old can beat you, I mean, that's the time you quit. But no, I'm serious. I don't know what video games you play, but if they're full of wickedness and naughtiness, it says, lay them aside. And then what do you do? Receive with meekness. And so what I've learned to do in my life at nighttime, how many like to go through the phone just like that and get an hour of your sleep stolen? What I found uh, is there's Bible apps. So what I found to do is return back to my former days when they didn't have apps and I kept my Bible beside my bed is be able to go to the Bible app then and look at some verses I'm learning and start reading off my Bible app those things. And what am I doing? I'm receiving me- with meekness the implanted word. And I think about implants. I think about things. I've you know, heard about those nicotine patches and people. I think they got insulin stuff or something. Implanted things they do. I don't know what all's out there. But I see the implant as the word of God in my soul. As I receive that word of God into my spirit, into my soul, then that is going to shoot out life to me. And then when it comes down to times of instability and stuff trying to steal my peace, trying to steal what God has for me, I've got that implanted word shoots a dose to me. The Holy Spirit. Jesus calls it bringing the word you remembered. Hey, Mac, you said I'm saying. That's how you possess your soul. If you're not a person that gets serious about not just reading your Bible, but laid aside the other two. Two things he said, you laid aside. And so years ago, years ago, I was at a missions conference. I took Facebook app off my phone Probably 15 years ago, whatever first came out, I saw what it was doing to me. I thought, there's no way, no way, no way, no way. That thing is not, it's, it's gossip. It's Dr. Barclay calls it de-Facebook. Amen. And so I learned a long time ago not to do those things because why is that? I want to possess my soul. Jesus said it's in times. Men's hearts are failing. So I'm going to stay in possession. And I'm not just going to stay in possession. I'm going to score some hoops. Amen. Well, uh, you got ten more minutes? We still got ten minutes? Okay, look at Psalms 19, verse 7. Psalms 19, verse 7. This is another winner if you're having a battle of the soul. It says the law of the Lord, basically, we're talking about the word of God, is perfect. What's it do? Converting the soul. Converting the soul. Your soul needs some converting. And that's the same thing as the word restoring in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, shall I want he restoreth my soul. And so it says the word of God. How does, the, how does your shepherd restore your soul? Apart from the word of God, he can't. He doesn't have a magic wand. Something you've really got to get that uh, I, I hope I say it enough. Whatever God has something for you, there's always the God part and your part. God always says, here's my part. He says, I'll convert your soul. Here's your part. Receive a meekness of grafted word. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect. 
Find out what the Word of God says. Put it in your heart. Speak it out of your mouth. And that's how the soul's being converted. And what happens? Your emotions get under control. I love it. But I watch Christians that used to blow up at everything. Now nothing shakes them anymore. And well, Pastor, you know what? I'm up here for prayer. And this, this happens frequently. I'm up here for prayer. Went to the doctor today. And they found this or they saw that. But you know what? I've already got it under control. I just want to share it with you. Just just lay your hand off me. Just be in agreement. I say glory to God. Thank you, Father. They've got this already. But that same person, that same person uh, three years ago was in the emergency room two or three times a week. We've got people in the church that spent more time at the emergency room than they did in church. But now the only reason they go to the emergency room is to pray for somebody. Would you call that a stable person? Amen. That is stability. And so Psalms 1, 1 through 3, this is where we close. And this don't light your fire, your wood's all wet. Amen. You're in possession of your soul. You know, you receive a meekness and planted word like you are right now. By the way, something I learned years and years ago as a baby Christian I, I remember, I, I can't remember who it was or where it was, but somebody used to, every time they taught, they say, say this out loud with me. I'm teachable. I receive your word, Father. I'm meek. I receive your word. And I still sometimes, I catch myself quietly, if I'm a Dr. Barclay, me or somebody else, I'll sit there quietly. I'll say, Lord, I receive what he's got to say. I want to thank you for your word, Lord. I know it's going to change me. It's going to help me. I receive it. And if I've got any blockages, Lord, show me what they are, and I'll drop the blockages so your word can come in and change me. Well, if you receive something, have you ever had somebody say something to you? They'll say, well, do you receive that? You got a choice. You say you do or you don't. So Psalms 1, here's what you do with the ball to score points when it's in your possession. Here's what you do beyond just saying, I believe the Bible. Here's how you get the Bible to work in you. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And even if you're not hanging around with ungodly people, if you're listening to ungodly people on your social media all day long, guess what? You're hanging around with ungodly people. And I'm going to show you that what he's talking about there is not just talking about sinners, but he's talking about Christians too. How many know there's Christians that carry the name of Christian, but they live an ungodly life? In other words, they don't live like God wants them to live according to the Bible. They live according to what they think's right. And that's an ungodly person. They may, they may have enough of Jesus in their heart to go to heaven, but they're not going to live a very victorious life on earth. So I'm not going to hang out with ungodly acting Christians either. I'll be around and try to help them, encourage them. They're not going to be my best buddies. So the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And, you know, sometimes you just can't help. you got to say some things. Somebody... Has already been married five times, not going to tell me to have a successful marriage. Somebody that's went through job after job after job after job is not going to tell me how to keep my job. Somebody that's been a mean preacher that's destroyed churches is not going to tell me how to cause, cause a church to be a good church. Amen. And so I watch out who counsel comes from, nor standeth in the way of sinners. So see, there's a difference between a sinner and an ungodly person. You don't want to hang out with the ungodly. You don't want to hang out with sinners. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And a scornful person listens to this. 
This is not a dictionary definition. The Holy Ghost gave this to me a long time ago. I wrote it down, and it really helps me. A scornful person is someone that murmurs, complains, whines about everything, but does nothing to change anything. Have you ever been like that? I've been like that. You ever hung around people like that? I, I remember when I, when I received the revelation of what association does in your life, I watched very carefully who I hang around with. It's so easy. So easy. When I came here to this church, we got a few people still here that were there then, and as a new pastor, I'd never forget the goofy people that was in this church. I want to tell you, pastor, this is the meth capital of the world. And I thought, at that time I thought, what's meth? I didn't know. I was born in Methodist Hospital. You know, that's the only meth that I knew about was the hospital back there. But they tell me, this is the meth capital of the world. And they tell me, man, this, this is the home of the Mexican Mafia. I thought, man, Jesus, what did you send me here for? I didn't even like the East Coast Mafia. No, so I'm talking about these scornful people. Pastor, I want to tell you what, this church is a mean church. I thought, man, why'd you send me here? Jesus, I could have stayed back in Indiana and got some of that. I didn't have to travel 2,000 miles to find mean people. And I heard what a horrible city Barstow was, what a mess it was. That's all I heard over and over again. Praise God, one by one, they trickled out, sometimes four by fours. They trickled out. Amen. And so he's telling you right here about your soul, how your soul becomes converted. Over and over he tells you, Choose your friends wisely. Guard what you listen to. Guard what comes into you. Do you know the spiritual law? Faith cometh by hearing. Guess what else? Scornful comes by hearing. Hatred comes by hearing. Sickness comes by hearing. Depression comes by hearing. You have to do your part to receive of meekness and shut off some things. Okay, but number two, here's how you receive the implanted word, the engrafted word. Your delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law do you meditate when it's convenience. If you got a hair appointment or you got a nail appointment or, or you got uh, whatever appointments are out there, I, I, want, I want the nail dressers hair people to do good because they go to our church. But I'm telling you, you can't put everything else all the time in front of your private time with Jesus. Amen. Amen. It says... His delights of the law, Lord, meditate, dead night. Meditate means uh, to ponder by talking to yourself. Say what the Word of God says out loud. Read it out loud. An act of recitation, a re-speaking of God's Word. And so to receive of meekness and graft a word, the things that I've taught tonight from the Bible, write them down, and I always carry three by five cards. Write them down, go home tonight, Look at them on paper. Look at your Bible. Get up tomorrow. Look at them during the course of the day. It says you meditate day and night. Look at those things. That's how I got what I got. That's how the word got implanted in me. And then here's verse three. This is stability. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. That means you're not going to dry up. And whatsoever you doeth, Catch that word. Whatsoever you doeth. Whatsoever you doeth is not going to go broke. Whatsoever you doeth is going to prosper. That means your family. That means your job. That means your church. That means your soul, your mind, your emotions is going to prosper. But the whole key was you receive a meekness and planted word by meditating in it. 
read it out loud. And by the way, I started reading the Bible and learned the Bible one verse at a time. One verse at a time. And I, I bet I know four or five verses. That's so anyway, don't give up. Start where you are. Don't be depressed. Just start reading the Bible one verse at a time. And then when you know to do it, you do it. And I can guarantee you, best upon the authority of God's word, Jesus said, you can possess your soul. Amen. Let's stand up. Amen. Raymond, we can attest to that, can't we? Pastor Dave. Yeah, go ahead. Amen. All right. What a good word for us tonight, man. And I, you know, I think we all need that. Uh, to remember a lot of what we're seeing right there. And we are renewing the mind. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and have our prayer team come up together tonight. And if you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, uh, we'd love to be in agreement with you and, and see the Lord work in your life. But if not, let's just take a minute to worship the Lord together for just a few minutes here tonight. And then we'll close things out. Amen.
everybody. We're going to go ahead and close things out tonight. Did everybody receive the word of God this evening? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's go ahead and we're going to close out in prayer and then we will uh, do our Barstow faith confession. Just want to keep reminding you that this this Sunday is Easter Sunday. Find somebody to invite and we're going to get them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's going to be an awesome week. Let's go ahead and uh, and pray together. Then we'll do our Barstow faith confession. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, for what we have seen and the word of God tonight. And Lord, we recognize that Jesus. Jesus fought and won the spiritual battle. Praise God for that. We are born again. We are clean on the inside and going to heaven. And Lord, we also understand that with the soul that we have a job to do in renewing our mind, Lord, with the word of God day by day. And so we thank you that we are committed to that. And Lord, that we are healed, healthy, and whole in every way, Lord, spirit, soul, and body. We love you and we praise you. Use us this week. And we also claim that this Easter Sunday, we are going to see salvations and healings and miracles, Lord, as people give their lives to you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, let's do our Barstow faith confession. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you Wednesday.